This is Pop Fizz, episode four, Comfort Food, part one. This episode was recorded before the death of George Floyd. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, and while this episode focuses on less political sides of drag, we've added the names and projects of some amazing POC queens who are advocates for change in the show notes. And here we are, a new episode of Pop Fizz, where we try to bring you energy from quarantine. I'm Amanda. (laughs) I'm Jane. (laughs) And we are all still stuck uh, and stressed out. And so this week, uh, month, time has no meaning anymore. Um, Right now we are doing a comfort food uh, episode where we bring things that bring us comfort in basically every single part of whatever i pick drag and drag is basically something that i need on like a daily basis to be a healthy normal person so um yeah and so jane's gonna go first uh with her nonfiction <laughs> item this week or month year and <laughs> this- uh, by the time this airs we may all be like in our new dystopian future where we're all at work in our masks glaring at our coworkers and praying that they don't come too close but um right now both jane and i are mostly stuck at home so we are a little disoriented so please bear with us today we're trying um but anyway uh so drag, Jane, drag. Yeah, drag. Um, drag has lots of different interpretations and meanings um, for whatever it is worth, which is not a lot. My interpretation, my definition of drag is a conscious exaggeration of some elements of a thing that are used to bring out an element of truth. So um, drag doesn't necessarily mean um a man impersonating a woman but that can be drag and it's a very popular common type of drag but there's so much that goes into what drag is and um that's why it's an exciting art form to look at and why I couldn't possibly cover all of it in 30 minutes um (laughs) because there's so many different things that a drag artist can do So obviously everybody knows about, well, maybe not everybody, but most people, if you think about drag right now, you think about RuPaul's Drag Race. Right. And that's how... The thing. (laughs) That's that's my, so that's my entire entry into drag pretty much because of you making me watch RuPaul's Drag Race, (laughs) which has been super fun and really is, I mean, like, it's just so much fun to see the, the fashion elements that that are brought up the gender flipping's great too but like the 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 runway yeah the <laughs> runway is my favorite part <laughs> <laughs> and i i really love um i really really love the the fashion parts i'm always like the especially the high fashion girls like um violet tchotchke is sort of the name is fame pearl um kimchi there's a lot of like amazing and i'm missing a bunch which is exciting a bunch of drag queens who are basically like models 
and who have become fashion icons and who like Valentina, that's another one who's been like in Mexican Vogue and like they, they walk for fashion weeks, like New York fashion week, London fashion week. They have campaigns like Miss Fame has done stuff with L'Oreal. Um, Violet, I think Violet Chachki has done stuff for Prada, but I could be wrong about that. Like, it's exciting to see drag artists who, especially somebody like Violet, who is uh, gender fluid, get to basically live the dream of being a supermodel. And I remember in season seven, actually, that was some of the storyline of that season uh, was the seasoned performance drag queens who were kind of bucking against this. Um, I don't want to say it was a new. Well, this yeah. kind of gender binary, I think, to some extent within. The queens who don't want to perform and kick and dance, but they wanted to be map. They wanted to be models. They want to be fa- fashion designers. My voice is going everywhere today. They want to be models. You see, um, <laughs> and not just be limited to nightclubs. But then nightclub drag is amazing. Uh, so there's, and drag is so much, so much better. It's it's a great gateway to drag. Uh, and I think that uh, you sometimes hit up on people who in the drag community are a little snooty. Uh, if you like drag race, because they're like, well, is that the only thing, you know, is that the only form of drag, you know, even if it is, that's fine. It's still drag. Uh, because a lot of people don't have easy access to drag or they don't think that they can, um, they don't know where to find it. Or even if they do, they don't feel safe, um, publicly going out. Or maybe like, maybe they live in a country where that is just not really something that's safe for them to do. So, uh, Drag Race is a great thing because it's a great unifier. It brings drag to a lot of people. Now, if you do like Drag Race, the best part about Drag Race to me, it's a great show and I love it. But the best part about it is that it starts these careers and um, or it elevates the careers of people who keep producing content. So once the show is over, if you really love a drag queen, you can keep following them. Um, and I made like a master's sheet of just things off the top of my head, but I'm telling you, uh, there's so much more. <laughs> I don't even know all of it. Like, um, season four, Willem Belli has a show called Willem's Beatdown on his YouTube channel or her YouTube channel. I'm, oh boy. <laughs> on her, I'm going to just say on her YouTube channel. And it's like Tosh.0. But a drag queen with the internet, and I love it. And it got me through some real dark times just watching Willem make fun of people, including herself. Um, Trixie Mattel has three albums at this point, a documentary and multiple shows, including her web show with Katya. Um, Fifi O'Hara on her Instagram did 365 Days of Drag, where she posted these insane photo shoots where she would like deck herself out in drag from things that she found at a thrift store. And then she'd like take safety pins and glue them all over her face into these like beautiful masks. And like, she'd take like woven rugs and turn them into outfits. And she did a cosplay month where she was just doing insane cosplay as all these nineties cartoon characters. It was, it was crazy good. Violet Chachki, if you like her, her YouTube, she like will go behind the scenes on a lot of her crap and like show you her corsets and her drag. She will like, review classic uh, runways with other drag queens. Pearl creates content that's extremely weird with a different drag name called Roxanne. Um, Alyssa Edwards has a Netflix show that is basically dance mobs 
uh, dance mobs combined with, with so there's like there's so much there's so much that you can follow Yua Hamasaki has her own web series it's great James Mansfield likes to take shit wigs that RuPaul sells and make fun of them like there's it's great because if you like somebody you're actually supporting a real person and their career and their artistry and that's just drag race that's not touching Dragula that's not touching like um oh no what it's called Camp Wanakiki there are all these other drag shows that have come up because of it and one of the things that I kind of when I was like prepping for this the like hole I went down was the Tumblr drag race and Reddit's lip sync for your life. The part of drag that I think is really interesting that I have kind of had more experience with is kind of following people on Tumblr and the mm-hmm. um uh what's interesting is I follow this um person who does drag as Patagonia and mm-hmm. yes. yes and so <laughs> So what what has been so interesting from following her and and, um, her, her, I don't know how to use a lot of the terms here, so I'm sorry if I say something wrong, but her, um, like, Patagonia is the alter ego of a man named Wynn, and he is, like, a hardcore environmentalist, and that's why he started um, part of how he entered into drag. And Mm -hmm. I remember, um, I guess like the parts of all, I think all drag is to some extent political or has Mm -hmm. been in the past, but it's really interesting to see the ways that it's used, um, to influence people to like kind of, uh, reach out with new messaging and and new things into different communities. I think, I think for example, of how during the primaries, uh, before, you know, we all went into lockdown or whatever, um, RuPaul's Drag Race, he was clearly advertising for, um, uh, Register now. Yeah, yeah, registering to vote. I'm sorry, I totally blanked. So, <laughs> so okay. yeah, like registering to vote and getting out the vote and how, um, you know, art is is almost always inherently political in my opinion. Um, but it's very fascinating to see that aspect of it. And I guess that's kind of when you were talking earlier about there being um, – non-binary drag queens or Mm -hmm. drag artists and um yes also you know people who are on the other end of it drag kings doing that work like the the it's really that piece of it is really interesting to me and how how drag starts to kind of like create new spaces where you don't have to fully express one gender or the other. And I feel like that's the thing sometimes I miss in drag race. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. There. Um, I'm going to take one step back because earlier I called Willem Belli he, (laughs) and uh, just for clarity, um, obviously pronouns is a tricky game and different Queens have different preferences or Kings or performers of what they like to be called. 
I think that Willem, especially because Willem Belli is his male name, as well as the female drag name, um, because some drag queens like RuPaul is another one. RuPaul is just RuPaul Charles. Um, and RuPaul has said before, I don't particularly care what pronouns you use. I believe Willem has said the same thing. If I'm wrong, I apologize. But that's where I was coming from using a masculine pronoun. It wasn't a, a being rude or trying to misgender right. anybody. And I didn't think, um, it, I mean, I didn't personally yeah. think that because I think that's one of the things that I find so interesting about drag is, especially in drag race, seeing the way that the um, people on drag race like use pronouns and refer to each other because it kind of seems like it depends on how they're feeling that day. <laughs> And the, and the person, um, I was really excited that this season they let Gigi Good talk about feeling gender fluid because they've had trans performers on before that um, it's it's a weird relationship because you if you believe everything that um, kind of production, like that's leaked about production, uh, it was really hard for RuPaul to even get certain performers on the show. Like Tammy Brown, it's one of my favorite, all-time favorite drag queens. And Tammy Brown is just sort of weird, like a kooky 1920s character type of drag queen. Love her. She's amazing. And RuPaul apparently had to fight to get her on the show. And if you look up Tammy Brown versus some of the performers that we're going to talk about and we've been talking about, it's a little weird that RuPaul had to fight for someone's drag that was even that strayed from, I guess, just kind of basic cis male impersonate cis female right. and the show has pushed on it a little and they've gotten more progressive they've had like season two sonique very famously um talked about her identity as a trans woman in the reunion and rupaul got very emotional it's like well you'll always have a family here you'll always be welcome here but then uh carmen carrera gia gunn these other trans women came out and said that the show was extremely harsh to them jiggly caliente uh, talked about having to present as male. Um, season five had this really prominent storyline about Monica Beverly Hills coming out as trans on the show. Um, and then at the same time, the show was really excited over Peppermint uh, in season nine, making it all the way to the top four as a out trans woman. But Peppermint, there was this debate because um, some of the contestants said they didn't know that Peppermint was trans, um, that she wouldn't present extremely feminine out of drag. She and, and there was a whole debate about that and whether it was appropriate and blah, blah, blah. By the way, Peppermint is a legend and is like one of the greatest drag queens of all time. First trans woman, I believe, to be on Broadway in a trans role, which is insanely cool and does all this amazing work. Um, but the show has this, and I, I'm not trying to say who's right or who's wrong. The show's had this really weird relationship with, um, with trans performers, and that's just trans performers. Then you talk about well, um, bio queens, female performers, um, and there is there's a wall there. Well, and I remember kind of I even as a like a what is the word like a novitiate <laughs> into, <laughs> into, into <laughs> it's like just it out like eight years ago on this one episode yeah, they like, had a moment <laughs> well but i mean i think that that that's fair because you know like it's important to understand the um history of something and even last season when we were watching it together which was my first time watching drag race one of my favorite people that was on the show was plus deep tiara and one of the things that really frustrated me 
was that mm-hmm. they kept critiquing plastique as being too pretty. And when you hear plastique like talk about her drag, she is very focused on to some extent passing. It, yeah. I think it's mm-hmm. really interesting. It's not that there's anything wrong there at all. It's it's that um, she is very interested in being a beautiful woman. I can kind of relate to that. Um, when I was in school, I did a play where I was being Portia for a second in uh, The Merchant of Venice. Uh, and she, at the end, is in male drag uh, to be a lawyer. Right. Which and is so they had... Yeah. Other example of drag being like very political. If you look at like his really, you know, historical incidences of people who were either trans or maybe they weren't trans, but were trying to pursue like a passion or a career um, that was not available to them because of their assigned sex at birth and their expressed gender. So they adopted gender characteristics of the other gender to be able to do that. One of my favorite things about that experience was when we were figuring out what my costume would be in boy drag, um, I kind of, I came up with some ideas and I kind of told everyone, like, leave me alone for a little bit, run the scene. So they, they're running the scene and then I came in and I had manipulated my hair so it looked like it was short, it looked like I had bangs. I had given myself a little bit of stubble. I'd made my face more masculine. I'd worn something that would make my body look masculine. And everyone was stunned and I felt so attractive. I felt like a really hot guy and I loved it. And it freaked everybody out (laughs) because it was such a huge transformation. I am a cis woman um, and I don't like there, I think there's misconceptions a lot of the time about men performing drag because they wanna be women. Sometimes there's just something powerful about, no, I'm comfortable in my identity. This is not about me wanting another identity or wanting to identify differently. For some people it is, and that's valid, but it wasn't for me. And I don't necessarily, although I don't know Plastique's deal, right? I don't know if that's what Plastique wanted, but since she didn't say differently, I will assume that she is a cis male. I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong there. But again, without lack of more information based on the conversation, it's not about wanting to be a woman. It's about the power of being able to transform into a convincing woman. It was powerful to transform into a convincing male. Right. And And I I certainly wasn't like trying to pause anything there. But I think that's really interesting because, because of the way that many times that's what she got dinged on. Does that make sense? Like, Oh, absolutely. And it's a really... The cool thing about Drag Race and what I like about it so much is that it opens these conversations up because I didn't realize how much I didn't know. And I didn't realize how much people around me generally didn't know. Uh, When I bring up drag, there are so many questions that people don't, they don't mean poorly, but they just don't understand. They bring them up. I'm not an expert for all that I might sound like one. I'm really not. Um, I'm still learning stuff, which is why I'm like, and we always kind of go this. If we say something offensive, we apologize. You learn so much more about human like how humans see themselves how they see each other the value of drag for me I got really into drag when I was at a really hard point in my life and the people in my life were giving me a lot of support but they could not give me enough support to really 
helped me through all of it. I, I needed support at times when I knew it would be unreasonable to lean on them. But drag is this like million headed Hydra. You know, it's millions of people that are creating content to express themselves and make themselves happy. And everyone is putting out content. So there's so much. I want to come back to something you said that I think was really interesting mm-hmm. when you were talking about your experiences and you said mm-hmm. that um, it made you feel powerful and I was thinking yeah. about um, the, epi- well, I was thinking about two things with that. And the first thing I was thinking about was the episode of ContraPoints where she talks about opulence, which I think you have to, like, we kind of have to talk about right <laughs> Love oh. ContraPoints! Love her! <laughs> anyway, continue. Yeah, which is, you know, like, just a phenomenal thinker from the, definitely, but... Uh, one of the things that she was referencing in um, Opulence was uh, this, I think it was called ballroom culture, and I'm not an expert on this, but essentially, go back and watch it. She is far, far much more the expert than I am, but essentially (laughs) what she was talking about was like lower class gay probably racially marginalized people Mm. who started this culture and they used it to dress themselves up as upper class powerful people right so yes and like the 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 type of drag that's that is of course most visible is like the cis male who's dressing as a cis woman but i think all drag is kind of about like to me like as a as a viewer is it has something of that in it i think you could you can probably drag class you could drag you know yes you can and and that's where i found it so comforting because at that point in my life when i was i was feeling so much pressure to conform to a box that other people had set out and said you need to be this to be this kind of a person and it, it it felt so confining and suffocating and scary and watching these, these men and women in wigs fuck around and be not only happy, but successful because of it. It was so just seeing them exist. It made me remember that there are a thousand ways to be a person and that it was okay for me to ignore all of this pressure and just focus on being the person I wanted to be. Um, what you're talking about. Um, and I think, Actually, I think ContraPoints references this too, is Paris is Burning, very, very famous on Netflix documentary about the New York ball scene. Um, When I was talking before about how to me drag is this exaggeration of something to bring out another truth. So if the ball, like if the category is executive realness of the ball, right? So everybody comes to the ball dressed up like they're working on Wall Street. Well, you're in a YMCA gym, (laughs) so you're dressed way, way differently than the actual social situation would call for. But by aiming for this, like, I'm going to prove to you that I am Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada. I could be her. You're channeling into the part of yourself that does exist, the part of yourself that is fierce and powerful and strong in the way that you see Wall Street executives being strong, the way you imagine, like, Uh, these characters to be and you're finding it in yourself and so then you know it's there and it doesn't matter sometimes if the world will give you credit for it or recognize it because I think a lot of drag comes out of the world refusing to give you credit for this 
you well, know, like, um, <laughs> and I think that's a really good point because I think that's one of the reasons that drag is so resisted is because mm-hmm. it shows how a lot of these lines that we've created for ourselves to separate ourselves, even at points wherein someone is sort of reinforcing these boxes, mm-hmm. um, by trying to replicate them at the same time they're destabilizing them right because they're saying well this is a box that you put people in but literally any person could go into this box yeah exactly um it's it's deconstruction of everything it doesn't just have to be about gender it's just deconstruction about what it means to exist and it lets you build up your own walls and seeing these drag queens and kings become successful, become celebrities, change things. It's so cool to be able to know that we live in a world that can allow this to be successful. You can be successful the way you are, not by leaning into somebody else's bullshit, but just finding the pieces of what you like about yourself and learning how to just keep capitalizing on those strengths. Um, and, and that's why I really love like, so I, I've kind of fall off, followed, I've I've stopped following this stuff as much as I used to. And part of that is because I'm not needing drag as much as I used to. I still need it a lot, but uh, I don't need it on quite the same level that I did once upon a time where I was really searching for any drag content I could find. Tumblr's Drag Race was great in that it was this like opportunity for baby drag queens to grow and to flex and you can see some cool ass shit because like I remember and I feel so guilty because I don't remember the name of the queen but I do remember first of all this competition was much better about including bio queens and like trans queens and just anybody afab queens that's also true of Dragula which season three we have drag kings and afab queens it is so cool to see them be allowed to perform because there are some amazing uh, kings and AFAB queens out there. But, um, and I think this was also true of Camp Wanakiki. I could, I, I think that they also, I know they had a bearded queen on their second season, which is also really cool because bearded queens have been f- around forever. In fact, uh, RuPaul's makeup artist for the first seven or eight seasons of Drag Race, Matthew Anderson, oh. very, very famous uh, bearded drag queen. Fabulous if you look him up. Um, but it's cool to see all this variety of drag. And I remember that somebody made a dress that was meant to look like Oogie Boogie from um, The Nightmare Before Christmas. And it, <laughs> it, they, they sewed it themselves and it looked insanely good. You reminded me And they made me it look of, weak. Like right before, um, you know, like what was it? When, uh, oh my God, what is the the drag person in drag race, the drag queen who did the like nightmare on Elm street. Look crystal method. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh gosh. I loved that. It was so good. It was was so so good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm like, just if you're listening along, just Google crystal method nightmare on Elm street and you'll agree with us. It's fabulous. It's so good. Um, and actually one thing I also love is the community around drag. So I go on the Reddit, the subreddit for drag race, and it is fun 
seeing how into it people get. The fandom is insane. So like, for example, Animal Crossing New Horizons is big right now. So that just reminded me that people have been recreating that outfit on their <laughs> avatars in Animal Crossing. That's awesome. There's there's so much like Pokemon or Animal Crossing content on, on that Reddit. Um, there's also like comedy stuff like uh, Movie Bitches is a great YouTube source if you can't watch Drag Race, but you kind of want to get caught up, especially on the earlier seasons. Um, Lee Dawson and Blazemaze do these insanely high edited like 20 minute recaps of the show that are just jokes. And they're so famous that queens that get on the show now will actually say that they are excited to see how they'll be edited into these like little video joke compilations. Like it's, it's the uh, Ouroboros. It's the snake eating its tail. The fandom is so linked to the show. Drag is so linked to its audience uh, that it feeds it and more things are created because of it. I love it. Um, it's, there's there's so much good good stuff. And because we're running out of time and I could talk about drag forever, I want to focus on a couple of things from Reddit's Lip Sync for Your Life subreddit. I really want to highlight because this is um, probably one of the stranger forms of drag in that it doesn't really fit how a lot of people think of drag. The concept is that it usually happens, I think, over the summer. People audition to get on. And then what will happen is there's a host and every week the host comes up with a theme and the competitors have to create a video of them lip syncing to a song that fits the theme. And they get eliminated. There's people, people vote. And then we get to the end of the season. And it's a really interesting, weird thing to describe because some of it sucks. I'm going to be nice. I followed it for a long time. Some of it is people badly lip syncing into uh you know a camera and they're not doing much with it and you don't like the song and it sucks some of it's passable you find a lot of good music that way you find a lot of good new music that way you find a lot of drag queens that way in references because there are plenty of competitors who are drag queens but there are a lot of them who aren't they're just people who are part of the great big queer community and that's where things get really exciting and the thing is you keep at it because one it's even when it sucks, everybody's positive. They're giving people suggestions about how to improve their technique, what isn't working, which is cool. But you see some magic. I loved following it because you never knew what you were going to get. One of my favorite performers ever is a girl named Edie Centric, and you can find her on YouTube. She did spoken word better than anybody I've ever seen. She had one called Ronnie and Beverly that was actually just her her lip syncing over a bit of a podcast is so great. She's a series called Bjork at Work. And it, or I don't, Bjork? Bjork? Bjork at Work. And it's super cute and it's super weird. Like to see people let themselves just create shit and put it out there. And even though drag is politicized and dangerous, it's also so accepting and beautiful and fun and sarcastic and witty. Um, and so... I know I'm not the only person who relies on drag. I remember season seven, uh, Ginger Minge and Ken Kennedy, uh, Kennedy Davenport, who I love. <laughs> fabulous, fabulous, fa amazing fucking queens. Um, I got to see Kennedy live and it was amazing. And if you ever can see them live, you should. But they were talking about um, the power of drag. 
And they told this story about, uh, I think it was Ginger specifically said that there was a woman who would come to her drag shows and they discovered that the woman was dying and that she wanted things that would make her happy. So she was coming to see drag because it made her happy. And after a while she stopped showing up and it was because the woman got so sick she could, she was in the hospital. And so they said they started going to the hospital to perform drag for her. That is drag. And so like, I encourage anybody going through a hard time right now. There's so many resources. You don't need money. <laughs> um, you don't need to put yourself in a dangerous situation. There's so much drag out there for you and it made me feel better. And I, I hope it makes people feel better too.